Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the latest edition of the SPN FC. Ali Moreno, Shaka Hislop and myself, Kay Murray, here in the studio. And it has been a big day as Chelsea took on Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final. With a look back on how it all went down, here's Dan and the boys. Uh, thank you very much, Kay and Mr. Steve Nicholl. Very much enjoyed, eventually, uh, that final. He's alongside me, <laughs> along with Craig as well. Uh, Liverpool, of course, with a number of injuries going into this clash. No Salah, no Sobosly, no Nunez either. And in the end, they were hanging on. Certainly within the 90 minutes, it looked like Chelsea would be the team who would go on and lift the trophy. But in an extra time, for some reason, Chelsea sat back. The Liverpool youngsters thrive. And in the end, Virgil van Dijk would score with two minutes to go in extra time to give Liverpool the trophy. Let's talk about the goal, boys, because you look at the threat that Liverpool had going forward at a set piece. Virgil van Dijk is surely your number one target. How did Chelsea miss it so badly? Well, I mean, he got obviously there was the uh, the controversial goal that was chopped off. Actually, it actually wasn't for the blocking, it was for the offside, but you'd imagine they would try something similar right. to try and at least block him uh, because he's the biggest threat. Clearly, they didn't. And then he gets across Modric at the front post, who's square on, he doesn't see him, uh, and, and it's a great header, it's a clean header, and it's hard to argue that Liverpool didn't deserve it, but you can't allow him that time to run and get that spring uh, and get basically a free header. Yeah, how can you have such experienced players, professional Premier League players who give him that sort of space? Well, I think, I think part of the problem for Chelsea was they had made some substitutions and I'm going to guess that Modric in particular was probably in the wrong spot uh, for his set of skills. And Virgil van Dijk took advantage of it, got across the front, uh, had a clean run, which he shouldn't have had, and the ball's in the back of the net. Yeah, take nothing away from the finish. Great header. No, great header, as was the one that was chopped off. But, uh, you know, Liverpool kept pushing and pushing and pushing and it, it was coming. It was a big surprise, uh, Chelsea, in the second half. But the actual set piece was great. Chelsea went to sleep, maybe a little bit of tiredness, but paid the ultimate price. I'll tell you what, Craig, what a, what a huge missed opportunity this was for Chelsea. Mm. They blew a huge opportunity because of Liverpool's problems. And if Liverpool had not won this game... Nobody would have batted an eyelid. No, really. No, you know. Take a look at the starting, well, the finishing Nobody. 11. Yeah. Liverpool had. Look at the ages yeah. of these kids. <laughs> Not only the ages, but the time, the minutes that they've played no, no. first-team football. If Chelsea had gone on and kept that momentum going, nobody would have said, Liverpool here, they've missed their big chance. People would have said, and rightly so, my God, didn't these kids put up a fight? But Chelsea were too experienced, they were too strong, they spent too much money, and Liverpool were the walking wounded. But, but... But we're not. What we're saying is, these kids did brilliant, and that, and the other side, well, they went and blew it. Yeah. They just blew their big opportunity because four weeks ago, this side were dead and buried, Chelsea, right? In fact, at one point, we were ever contemplating coming up and putting this broadcast together. It was going to be so one-sided. And here was an opportunity. Chelsea playing better. Chelsea with confidence after beating Villa, drawn at the Etihad, and Liverpool, the treatment room was full and there was going to be more people going in it. And yet, 
they lost the belief, the intensity and the ability to control this game yep. and they allowed these youngsters to have their moment in the sun <laughs> and boy did they do it. And we deservedly gave Chelsea credit for the win at Villa Park for the point. That's out, out the win. That's down the yep. toilet now. Yep. You've absolutely blown your best chance of getting silverware this season and as Nadem said, you've got a trap game coming up now against Leeds who just yep. beat Leicester in the Championship. They're going to Stamford Bridge going, bring it on. Well, I don't want to be sarcastic, but if any team knows about trying to recover from a disaster, it's Chelsea. They've been doing it all season yeah, long. Yeah, but this is the lowest of the... This is oh, unmitigating, this, isn't it? I, th I think what it tells us is this Chelsea side, when the onus is on them and they're in pole position to go and win a game and, and play the other side off the field... They're not capable. They're just not capable. The two wins we're talking about, Villa and Man City, they were underdogs going in, they kept it tight and they broke. That's what they did. They didn't go and outplay anybody. They haven't, they haven't gone and outplayed anybody all season. And they get an opportunity in a cup final to play against a bunch of kids and you've got them by the throat and they just let it go. How can? Look, look who came on. And Kunku, Mudrik, you've got Madweke and Chalabar as well. Yeah. All, all, all with experience. Well, what happened was... They, they did nothing. Well, they lost any, any semblance of control in the middle of the park. They, they, they lost it in, in extra time. And let, there is not... I, I don't think there is a bunch of criticism coming Chelsea's way for the 90 minutes. Maybe a little bit on the finishing and the poor decision-making in the final third. But there was actually a, a lot of good play. However... There is a mountain of criticism coming their way for extra time. Yeah. A mountain. The way that they allowed the momentum to slip away. And, the, and again, I go back to it. I don't want to be... I don't want to be rude to younger players, but as a, as ex-players, ex when you see a weakness in the team, you go for it. Yep. You know, when a manager's giving a team talk, he doesn't say, uh, he's, he's inexperienced, so don't make it too hard for him. He's like, <laughs> let's get at him. Right. Get at him. Yeah. So you try and utilise all the deficiencies in an opposing team. So when all these youngsters came on, good young players, talented, getting some game time, but this is a new movie for them. Games going around the world, there's almost 100,000 there, it's a cup final against Chelsea who've spent a billion dollars. You've got to focus on that weak point and you've got to go for it. Yeah. They didn't. They, they sat back and they allowed these young guys to go, do you know what, this playing in the cup final is actually pretty good. We're getting on the ball. Nobody's closing us down. We're getting their passes in the game. And they, these young guys, they got confident. Mm. And all of a sudden, they're dominating the game. And Caicedo and Fernandez and, and others are just stood by and watching these kids have their moment. And, and that's down to Chelsea. That is down to Chelsea, who, who basically, for some reason, an extra time, down tools. Stood by is absolutely perfect. Because when you step on the field as a youngster... The manager's telling you to do this. The manager's telling you to do that. Your head's spinning. Right. You, you, you're trying to clear your brain. And so the last thing you want is to step on the field and have the opposition putting you under pressure because that just, just doubles down on right. it. Right. You just want an easy... You just want to keep everything simple. Just keep it simple. Give me plenty of time on the ball. Let right. me find my feet. Give me some time to get into the game. I mean, it was almost like Chelsea said, Don't, oh, there you go, we'll stand off you and let you find your feet. I mean, McConnell from the middle of the park in extra time was spraying balls left and right. I mean, it's, it's absolutely unacceptable what happened in the extra time. And with Craig, the 90 minutes, yeah, they, they had chances, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but it didn't quite work. 
But the, the extra time, the fact that they stood off kids is, is unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Uh, we heard Champers at the full-time whistle being very optimistic regarding Liverpool's possibilities of a quadruple with those Ooh. final matches of the season <laughs> all coming at the end of May. However, another injury that Jurgen Klopp has to deal with today. We saw Gravenberch in a boot, didn't we, yeah. in those celebrations. It's a long list, Stevie. And the problem that Liverpool have, stating the obvious, is Arsenal and Manchester City. Yeah, in games. Yeah. It's not like they're going to get time to recover. Yes. You've got um, Southampton midweek, you got, and then you've got Forest at the weekend, yeah. and then you've got Sparta Prague in the Europa League, then you've got and then City. And you got City. I mean, and, 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 and on and on and yeah. on. Um, the Europa League might become you, uh, an afterthought. <laughs> would, you, would you agree with that sentiment, that it should be an afterthought? Which one? The, the Europa, Europa League, League now. Have you got the FA Cup more... Uh, uh, have yeah. you got the FA Cup? Do you know, I don't even... I, I, and the I, league. I, th we're, I mean, we're, we're, I think yeah. the problem is... Or do you even that, have the squad to make those choices? Well, that, exactly, that's the problem. It's OK if you can rotate and say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll rest four or five guys because it's not as important as winning the league. He's not in a position to do that. You saw the bare bones that he's got. He finished with three first-team players. Mm -hmm. And he didn't finish with three first-team players because he thought, I've got to rest some guys. He had absolutely no choice. And again, you can probably add Diaz to that because having done it myself, the way he's running around, it looks like a groin problem. And that means there's no chance for Wednesday and absolutely no chance for the weekend if you're lucky. So this is a case of, I wish I could, but unfortunately... I'm sorry, this is the only 11 I've got. You're going to have to play again. That injury, that, that injury list that we put up, probably 50% of them, you wouldn't bat an eyelid if they, they're available or not. But the other 50%, give or take, yeah. if he doesn't get the, the, those players back, I mean, you know, Kelleher was brilliant for Alisson. Maybe you'd get away with that. If, say, Alisson was out long term to this end of the season, which he's not, uh, you might get away with But then you're looking at the other end. The midfield, you know, Sabozlai and Curtis Jones has played a lot of games and has been has been a, a big player for them, particularly uh, in the first half of the season. And then you look at the front line, Salah and Nunez, you know, so there's four or five players out of that list of, I don't know what it was, it was almost like 10, there's, there's at least five in there yep. that he needs to get back sooner rather than later. They can't win the Premier League without those guys. Without them back, you, he's you not can't. Running, no. You just can't. Greg and Stevie, thank you very much. And meanwhile, for Chelsea, a very much unwanted record, even worse than Middlesbrough. They've lost their last six domestic cup finals. That has never happened before in the history of English football. Kay, back to you. Dan, was that little Easter egg there for me? Uh -huh. Looking at the most titles as manager in Liverpool history, Jurgen Klopp is in some strong company here. Obviously, Bob Paisley at the top with 20, followed by Bill Shankly with 11 and Kenny Dalglish with nine, but still more available for Jurgen Klopp this season. After the game, Alexis caught up with Klopp, but first, here is the match winner, Virgil van Dijk. Got the man of the moment, Virgil van Dijk, man of the match, the true leader today, a trophy as a captain. It felt like a match watching you guys where some boys became men and you got to lead them in that moment. How does it feel? Amazing. Um, proud is maybe an understatement, but it is the, the feeling I've, I've got at the moment. Um, what you said, so many young players on the pitch, especially the last part of the game and uh, we all have to dig deep and they did so well. Uh, Queef, the goalkeeper, was outstanding again. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a special day and it's something I will never forget. 
you're going to I told you I hope you're still happy and yeah. full of emotions yeah. to talk to me right now because we've done many interviews where you've won cup finals and trophies but where does this one rank the fact that it was a top a shelf. match with 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 the most respect babies yeah. <laughs> top shelf absolutely it's absolutely incredible tonight something happened but actually never happens in real life uh -huh. just in dreams and the boys made a dream come true absolutely exceptional performance leaving everything out there on the pitch gave this club another sign another proof that's super special things like this only happen can only happen here um, with this with these people around and the feeling we had after the feeling was the best I probably ever had in my life after a football game I couldn't believe it. I, I, I saw the game and I know we could have scored, or we scored, we could have scored, they scored. It was an open game. Um, and we had problems before the game. They became bigger during the game. Absolutely. That's not cool. And then we had to change. And then we had to, and our options were there, but pretty young. <laughs> and with nil experience. And then seeing boys stepping up like that I, I asked them to I told them you have to be cheeky like a kid but you have to defend like a man and that's exactly what I saw and there's so many good football moments and how they how they just contributed <laughs> how they played how they fought how they were a pain for for Chelsea all the time and yes they had their chances of course but I really think we deserved the win and um, the atmosphere during the game was great. After the game was exceptional. Oh, very sweet stuff there. Mm. A very emotional Jurgen Klopp and he has every right to be as well. Um, we'll get to what Pochettino had to say after this because obviously there's been a lot of talk about the way Chelsea played this one out in extra time. This is what he did say. The players started to lose their energy. Ben Chilwell felt really, really tired. Gallagher, after five minutes, we needed to change. The team felt maybe penalties would be good for us. The effort was massive. Oh. No! No! No, no. Look, and, and, and the guys just mentioned it. At the end of, of the second half, the second 45 minutes, the last 10, 15 minutes or so, it was all Chelsea. And you had all the young guys out on the field for Liverpool. And it felt like, well, if there was ever a moment in which Chelsea now takes a step forward, it is indeed in extra time. It is now when you're going to see this team somehow make the most of what has been a very disappointing season. And yet you have a clear chance to go and raise a trophy. And what did they do? They took a step back. Incredibly, they took a step back. And it tells me... All sorts of different things, but it tells me about, more so than anything, about the mentality of the group, the mentality of the club. And now this quote from the manager tells me about where that mentality comes from. If your manager is telling you or is telling us that the, that the players were, would be happy with penalties when they were on the front foot, when they were attacking, when they were creating the chances, they had the momentum and they're saying, now nah, we'll take it to penalties. That is a... If there was ever a loser's attitude, that's it right there. That's it. 
It's a loser's attitude. It's the attitude of a team that said, no, we're not quite cut out for this. It's one thing if one player is, is thinking it. It's one thing if a couple of players is thinking it. But when your manager is the one saying it, this is so troubling. Let me just say, I, I, I couldn't be more disappointed with Chelsea. Um, during, the, during the 90 minutes, even though the boys offered them that excuse, they played well, they played well against kids. You should. Um, extra time was, was an absolute disaster. I know post-game to hear this from Pochettino. My, my first question in hearing that is, why are Chelsea so tired? Chelsea are not playing European football. They're not playing any more than anybody else. Why is, is this expensively assembled squad so much more tired than everybody else? The other aspect of this is, this is Chelsea's season. I know they're still in the FA Cup. As I mentioned, they're not in Europe. They're not in any title contention. They're not in any top four contention. This is Chelsea's season. Liverpool are chasing a quadruple. Whether they get there or not, that we, I'm sure we discuss that ad nauseum till, till the end of the season. But they, had, they are the team that had every single reason to leave it all out there. And they are the ones that grow tired. That, for me, I, I, again, I, I thought so much of the day was inexcusable from a, a Chelsea's perspective, which, in all honesty, I, I don't want to get into because I think the biggest story here is Liverpool. Mm. Jurgen Klopp, who announces he's leaving, is, is cornered into playing kids. No these are kids who have no experience at this type of level, no experience at, at, at playing in finals, no experience in playing against a squad such as Chelsea's, and he just allows them to go and play with the freedom. In his words, play like kids but defend like men. And I, I thought that was so rewarding to see, so rewarding to witness, for, for them to, to be able to walk off that pitch as, as champions. And, and that speaks volumes to the character of, of those kids, the character of those players, those senior players who served as the spine of that squad, including Virgin van Dijk, and to Jurgen Klopp and the culture that he's, he's built around that football club. And that speaks volumes. And as I said, we'll discuss Liverpool and, and what's to come in, in the other three competitions from, from, for the next few weeks, but take nothing away from what we witnessed today. We witnessed a bunch of kids being thrown in at the deep end and their manager somehow convincing them they can swim and they go out and win that swimming race. And, and, and that needs to be applauded. It needs to be applauded. But in order for those kids to swim, using your analogy, Shaq, you need to have players out on the field with you that mm. take you out to that deep end. And so Virgil van Dijk is leading the group. A guy like Luis Diaz, who ran until his legs fell off, essentially. He is literally mm. running until the legs fell off. And that's Luis Diaz, who has won with Liverpool. That's Luis Diaz, who, who doesn't have nearly as much to prove as some of these other players from Chelsea. And he's running back and forth. And he's talking inside. And he's defending. And he's attacking to the point to where, again, he blows his engine. And he can do it, but the guys from Chelsea can't. And the young guys can run with the ball freely, but the, but the guys from Chelsea can't. The expensive, more experienced players can't. There was a sequence of play where Bobby Clark just grabbed the ball from the center back saying just ran through the middle of midfield. And there was unopposed by Chelsea. That so much so, it, it bothered so much so that it, it, it wasn't about the lack of legs at that point. It's just the lack of effort. Yeah. 
the lack of competitive pride that you, you just said it. This is your season. This is where you have to leave everything. There's nothing else other than this. There's no more important moment than the 30 minutes and the extra time. And Chelsea's attitude was one of, we'll wait for penalties. That is inexcusable. Yep, not great. Uh, Chelsea will be back in action, as the guys mentioned, in the FA Cup. All of these games are available on ESPN+. We'll get a chance to see Liverpool as well. It is Chelsea taking on Leeds and Liverpool against Southampton on Wednesday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Harlan De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard's Pie, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com fc that's all lowercase go to shopify.com fc now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com fc Real Madrid took on Sevilla at the Santiago Bernabeu. It was a game in which Sergio Ramos made his return as an opposing player at the Bernabeu for the first time in almost two decades. But it was another multiple Champions League winner with the Madrid club who made the difference. Luka Modric with the only goal of the game in the 81st, giving Real Madrid all three points and so far running away at the top of La Liga's table. Luis Garcia is with us. Luka Modric has still got it, Luis. Yeah, still got it. And it was needed something like this because uh, definitely uh, Sevilla has improved in, in something and needs in defence. Today was uh, fantastic to see all the health, all, how they double up in the wide areas to, to stop the uh, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, the players who were using that, those channels. And in the end, it was needed something. We, we talked in the pre-show uh, why Real Madrid was going to, to miss a lot, Joselu. And it's in this kind of game when you really miss a player who can stick the centre-backs into the middle, a player who can hold the ball and lay off for the player arriving in second line, a player who can uh, get advantage of his high uh, because of the crosses of, of the wide areas. Because today he was um, ba Lucas Vasquez in the right side a little bit more with uh, Brian Diaz, also Vinicius Junior Rodrigo on the left side, but there was no one arriving in second line. We miss also Jupe Bellingham and his entrance of Valverde that we saw him 
only once uh, with a, a long range uh, shot. So in the end, he was needed something special, and it was Luka Modri once again. He's proven that he still got that quality, still got that that special thing that he, he only have the the big players and only one nil. But he's been the last three games where Real Madrid is struggling to find the net. And today was proven once again that they are going to miss uh, Jude Bellingham and Joselu because they bring that on the table for Real Madrid. Yeah, Joselu is going to be out for a few weeks. He's picked up an ankle sprain at the moment right now. As for Real Madrid, obviously injuries and suspensions out the way there. Can we go back to the goal that wasn't from Lucas Vasquez as well? What did you make of that moment? Well, once you see the replay in the manner in, in which it was shown to the referee where they slowed it down and they made it big and magnified it, and then you see the touch and you kind of go, oh, I guess there was a foul. But we didn't get there right away. The referee doesn't see it. He doesn't call it. The play goes on. They go on to score. And the referee himself has made a decision. He has made an interpretation. He has made a call. Now it just feels like VAR is getting involved. And, and we mentioned at halftime, we get into this gray area of re-refereeing the game. Because if you have to stare at something for four or five minutes in order to make a decision, then it's not clearly and obviously an error. Now, I think in the end they get the call right. I think in the end we, we got to where we should have gotten to in the beginning. But it took too long to get there, and it just allows the whole system of VAR in La Liga to be sort of questioned and speculated upon because the decisions are not made smoothly and, and as quickly as they should be. Now, I understand that we want to get to the right decision, and so be it. And eventually, I think we did here. But my point is, if we have to look at it so closely, then was it obviously and clearly an error by the referee? I guess, I guess the answer is not. And so when do we trust the referees to make those decisions and when does VAR take over? That's the balance that we got to get right. And it's not just a La Liga problem. This is a, a problem across VAR, seemingly across all the leagues. Uh, the, the big question to this, though, is with Real Madrid involved, and, and we, we've sat here and had these discussions, we've heard the complaints from so many other clubs in, in, in Spain that Real Madrid and Barcelona seem to get the benefit of more of, of more than just their fair share of these decisions. So the fact that this is Real Madrid, and I'm, I'm not concerned about had it been the other way around, how, how would it would have been uh, adjudged or adjudicated, but had it been a mid-table clash, would it have had this level of scrutiny and is that the, the place we now find ourselves in terms of how especially games with Real Madrid, Barcelona to a lesser extent Atletico Madrid how are they managed from a refereeing perspective in, in comparison to, to all the other games in, in, in Spanish football that is one for the authorities to, to, to handle. And, and to that point Shaq and, and I think you use a great word there, scrutiny they slowed it down and then they magnified it and I, I, I suppose this has happened before in, in VAR, but it's not commonly, or commonly used in VAR where they have to magnify the image. So now you see, oh, I see it now. Okay. If that's what it takes to make the call, then, man, then it's not obviously a mistake by the referee. And at some point, you got to trust the referee on the field who made an, a judgment call, who made... He, he made the judgment. He made the decision. We're not trusting it. We're going to VAR. And not only are we going to VAR, we're like, we're going beyond VAR because no, it's, not, no, it's not the first replay. It's not the second replay. It's not the third replay. It's now a fourth replay that we have to slow down to the point to where now, now we see it. I, I, I don't know that that's why the system is in place.
Obviously, on the severe side of things, Luis, what we do know is it hasn't been the best of seasons for them so far, but coming into this game, it was four unbeaten. What do you take away from their performance today? Well, I think that, uh, again, we, we were talking about uh, a Sevilla improving on their team. I think that in defence, you could see that it was an advantage. I think that uh, he made a fantastic job bringing three centre-backs with the help of Ocampos and Navas. I, I don't see why Ocampo was so deep in, into the left side because in the end he's a player who needs to help in attack. Today, we didn't see much on that. We got this uh, Romero, we got Lecid that didn't get in, involved into the game. So in the end, you miss a little bit of Sevilla trying to find the three points. It was all about trying to defend well. And well, that's why Sevilla is right now fighting to be away from the regulation spots. And can, and can I just tell you... And we mentioned in the pregame, and it's a conversation that we've had now about Real Madrid for a while, and that they're doing just enough to win games. And I mean just enough. And in a season, a season is made of many moments. But once you get closer towards the end, the moments become, in this case, magnified. Not VAR magnified, but magnified because of the importance of the situation. The save by Lunin when the game is 0-0. And how does that change the, the nature of the game? And how does that change the outcome of this match? So we're, we won't focus on it. But Lunin makes a save, keeps the game 0-0, and you still feel like at some point Real Madrid is going to do something. So there are two moments in this game. The save by Lunin and the moment of brilliance by Luka Modric coming off the bench. And that defines the game and decides the game for Real Madrid. And that's all it takes for Real Madrid. But again, it's confirmation of something we have been saying. They're doing just enough. And just enough equals three points. Three points equal, we're not talking about, oh, Barcelona are catching up. We're not having this conversation. We're not having this talk about pressure. We're not talking about the players that are missing. We're talking about Real Madrid continuing to dominate La Liga. Yep, and that's what it, just what they are doing. We thank Luis Garcia for being with us for another chat about La Liga's top teams. As for Girona, they'll be looking to do a bit of catching up of their own and jumping back on top of Barcelona, who took second spot yesterday with their win over Hetafe. Girona will be taking on on Monday, 2.30 Eastern, for all the build-up to that game. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
And these are how things are looking at the top of the table. Inter running away with it. They had another win for themselves today. Juventus back to winning ways. Got some catching up to do. And Milan in third, followed by Bologna. Gab Marcotti joining us now to talk about what we did see today. Let's start with Juve then, Gab, because obviously they needed that win today. It came and we saw a good showing from Weston McKennie as well. Yeah, McKenny's been uh, um, been very much on a roll, as has Dusan Vlaovic. Eight goals for him now in 2024, wants to put 2023 behind him, uh, and he's doing it. Uh, the problem is, as you see there, uh, you know, you got to wait once again until injury time to get the three points uh, in the unlikeliest way to Rugani. Who'd have thunk that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this Juve team, they're just rolling along. Um, they want to get in the Champions League. That's the goal. They're getting it. And then next season, they're talking about youngsters coming in and whatnot. They'll still be on a tight budget. But so far from what I've seen, I, I, don't, I don't think this performance is anything to, to write home about. Talking about Milan, though, right now, what does this result mean for them, Gab? And, and the, the way the season's going for them. Obviously, ahead of the game, Stefano Pioli said that this was going to be an important game for them in terms of the league standings. Well, it was a chance, obviously, to not quite knock Atalanta out of the Champions League running, but, but to ensure that you put enough uh, distance between yourself and Atalanta. It didn't happen. I, I thought, in terms of the, the run of play uh, and what we saw on the pitch... Uh, I thought Milan outplayed them. I thought they showed that they were that they were a better side. Now, obviously, you give up a penalty uh, like that, where you know, as, as Shakhinali weren't totally convinced about that. Those are penalties that get given a lot in, in Serie A, where somebody's going to clear uh, clear the ball and, uh, and and somebody kind of sticks a head in or a leg just ahead of them, but they don't see them coming. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, I think they've been consistent with the penalty, but penalty incident aside, I, I thought. Milan played well, and you know uh, I think it would have been disastrous for them to lose. It's okay for them to draw this game. Uh, you know I, I think the goal of Champions League football next year, especially with Syria, possibly getting the the five places, um, are increasingly likely actually at this stage. Uh, I, I think they can live with that. Okay, we will be hearing more from Gab Marcotti on the latest edition of Extra Time, so be sure to be with us for that. He'll also be on the Gab and Jules show. Oh, yeah, he will. That drops oh, on the nice podcast. to see him on the Gab and Jules show. a lot show. more talk about the Serie A and much more over there. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. That's all we've got time for in the latest hey. edition, but we do have extra time on the way. Thanks for sending your questions in. Gab Marcotti will be joining us as well, so stick around. Extra time coming up next. 
welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Very happy to have Gab Marcotti with us, Ali Moreno and Shaka Hislop. Can, can I just say, Kate, you've been known for some stale jokes over the, yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah. I think you outdid yourself today. Really? Yeah. That min what was it? The minto fresh. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That caught me off guard. And I've come to expect <laughs> some bad jokes from you, Kay. I, I think that's I part think, of, you know. I think, Shaq, you have to be more understanding. Kay's going through some tough times. Oh, she lost her slippers. Yeah, she's going through a Cinderella sort she of lost time. Lost one of her okay. slippers. You, you want to tell right. the world what's going on, you Kay? You can tell them. Well, Kay has this very thick, squishy, sort of noisy sandals that she walks yep. around, which if she can't sneak up on anybody. No, no, no. You can sandals. tell she's coming around the corner yep. Yep. because they make. Eh, it's a very clear Don't noise. Sneak up on nobody. No, no. <laughs> but there was no noise today, and so what happened with Kay? Apparently, she's missing a sandal. Missing a sandal. One. One sandal. Not, not, not a pair of sandals, but there's a sandal somewhere in this company now. That we haven't been able to find. I mean, Cinderella. I'm still not ruling any of you guys out. <laughs> <laughs> no. If it were one of us, not me and Ali, the whole crew, uh -huh. who would it be? Uh -huh. We included everybody who calls ESPN campus home. It would be Stevie or Dan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think. You'd so. be up there though, Ali. What, what are you talking about, Kay? Well, I work just by the process of elimination. I work with you the most. <laughs> And you, you are a kind of squishy slipper kind of guy. You, you look at me and yeah. it feels like that? Even the description he had of it, it's as if he knows more about it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So I gave myself up. Yeah. I gave myself away. You're a person of interest. I am. I'm in the investigation. <laughs> Gab, who do you think stole my slipper? Uh, you know, to be honest, I, I've gone down this YouTube rabbit hole. There's all these videos on YouTube from people being interrogated by the police who accidentally give themselves up and offer clues. And I suspect Ali might have just done that with his detailed description of, 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 of your slipper. Maybe I was just being honest. Yeah, Maybe I was just an interested citizen trying to help. I'm just, just saying. He, he was trying to help me, to be fair. Maybe you're just revisiting the scene of your crime. <laughs> uh, is that what I was doing? That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shaka, Shaka, you seem to know a whole lot about no, this. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't go into it, but I've got some new slippers now in their place, OK? Well, right. yeah, that's, that's not new good. But that's, that's not new good. but old. New but old. You're right, let's not go into it. Coffee crocks. All right, start <laughs> Ben Chosselli's managers based on this season. Pochettino, Tuchel, Ten Hag. I'll start with you, Gab. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> This and this You're really going to make me do this. Um, wow. Okay, for me, uh, I would... I'd probably start Ten Hag before I get Pelters here. Um, I would bench uh, Pochettino and I would drop Tuchel. Now, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to start Tuchel. Oh. I'm going to start Tuchel. That's based on this season, Shaq. At least, at least Bayern's still in the reckoning for something. I'm not sure I can say the same about the other two. It's um, about this season, Shaq. Yeah, but at least Bayern is still in the reckoning for something. Um, and then, and then I would bench. I bench Ten Hag and drop Poch. Yeah. Pochettino's getting dropped for sure. Certainly after today. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's quotes following. After the, today's, uh, yeah, Poch's. <laughs> yes, he's taking a hit. For sure he's taking Where a hit. Where are you and Tuchel and Ten Hag then? 
I mean, it's hard for me to start Ten Hag. It, re it really this is, is hard. This is, this is, a, it's hard to start anybody. Yeah. Let's be honest. This is not a decision that you want to make no. as a manager. Pochettino no. got his team to a cup final. Hey. Did you did you see his quotes? Like, <laughs> did you see his quotes after the game? No, guys were tired. We're playing for penalties. They'd be happy with penalties. No, 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 no. Pochettino is dropped after today. And I would rather play with a man down rather than starting either Ten Hag or Tuchel. So there you go. That's what. Oh, I oh. Heard of all the excuses yesterday, though, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. What's that? Ten Hag and Lovett. I know. Well, he's, he's really good at that. This has been excuse city between the three of them. Gab, we thought you were a Tuchelista. Has he disappointed you? I, I, I was a Tuchelista, but because I love Thomas Tuchel, the, the old Tommy, the the rule, the self-anointed rule breaker, Tommy. Um, the bar is pretty high with him. And when I look at where he is this season, um, I, I can come to no other conclusion. And I think the proof is in the pudding, right? Pochettino will be back next season. Ten Hag will probably be back next season. We know for a fact Tommy T is done, um, despite getting himself a brand new Harry Kane in the summer. And I think, you know, this has really been the most disappointing stretch of his career both in terms of the, 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 the patterns of play we've seen out on the pitch, as well as his personal behaviors, um, his breakdown in relationship, all of this, yeah, it, it's got to be too whole. For the boys, is Liverpool's win today versus Chelsea proof positive that their bench is deep enough and injuries won't be the reason their Premier League title aspirations won't be derailed? And let me add, Stevie Nicol has come over today after the game saying that this is the last piece of silverware they'll win because of the injury situation. You see um, Liverpool's team today and it's hard, it's hard to find a reason that this, is, this team goes on and does what's needed. When you see, when you know who City can be, when you see who Arsenal have been over the last couple of weeks in particular, it's, it's hard to make that, it's hard to make that, that argument for, for this version of, of Liverpool. And listen, I give them full credit for winning the Cup as, as they did today. But for them to keep that level for the next, what, what have we got, another three months of the season? It's, 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 it's hard to, to, to see that happening. And, it, and, it's, and all these injuries are coming, you, don't, you never want to have this amount of injuries, but they're coming completely at the wrong time of the season for Liverpool and they're completely the wrong stretch. And so if you don't get Mohamed Salah back, Darwin Nunez, Alisson, I suppose you can argue one way or another because Kelleher was so good today, but still you, you would want to have your best goalkeeper out there. And they, the name just kind of keep coming and you don't know indeed what happens today to a guy like Luis Diaz who was leaking oil in and, and, and the extra time period because he ran himself to death essentially. Um, I, I just don't understand and don't see a, a pathway by which Liverpool survives all of this. They survived today and that was impressive in the manner in which they did. But over a long period of time, while Manchester City is getting healthier, they're not. They're going in the wrong direction. It's hard to make an argument for Liverpool. The next question's for Gab. Are Inter playing the best football in Europe right now? I don't know. I wouldn't say in Europe. Um, they're playing really, really good football. Um, and I think they're as close to 
their their max potential and and i think and i go you know, i'm bang on about him but uh what simone inzaghi is doing with this team the way he's regenerated the older players the way he's been so smart about doling out um playing time the the way he's doing something which i don't know it's the kind of thing where you're either a fool or a king if you do it which is uh having program substitutions right the same guys come out at the same time other people come in he does this every single game he he rotates uh to a degree that i don't think any other top team uh in europe really does i mean city do rotate a lot with their starting 11s less so with their substitutes it's like he's exploiting this whole thing to squeeze every ounce that he can out of this team and and the, right now that's exactly what they're doing have you ever seen a referee substituted during a match just as it happened during today's real madrid sevilla match yeah that's happened i've seen it have you yeah. been involved in a yeah. game where it's happened i can't remember <laughs> it's kind of it happens and and you know not that extraordinary so you don't remember it no, no. it's not significant enough no. no and mind you for players referees you don't have the best relationship with them so if they go off the field it's not like oh my goodness what am i going to oh. do with my life uh you just get on to who is the next guy that you're going to complain to and again that's the fourth <laughs> official once he jogs on then you start getting on him because obviously you're no longer talking to the guy who got injured I'm talking about how we heard the guys in the show today saying that, you know, when there's a young player on the pitch, mm. that the opposition manager isn't saying, oh, take care of them, they're just a baby, be careful. That was a referee today that came on. Mm. It was inexperienced in mm. that level uh, coming on. And, it, and, and right away, as he jogged out, they were already chirping. Lucas Ocampo was talking and Sergio Ramos was talking and the Real Madrid player, every, because everybody wants to have their say. Everybody wants to, it, it's, like, it's like boxing out for a rebound in basketball, right? You want to make sure you have your say with the referee so you start, inf in your mind, influencing some of his decisions. Yeah. Well, Real Madrid TV did a lot of that before the game. Yeah, so well, they tried, yeah. They beat everybody on that. Okay, is today... <laughs> them well, <laughs> It was nothing to do with right, it. It yes, wasn't like that did. in my day. Is today's result in the Carabao Cup final a bigger win for Jurgen Klopp or a bigger defeat for Mauricio Pochettino, Gab? I know you guys have been giving Pochettino a ton of stick, but ultimately, Chelsea are mid-table. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. Uh, what Klopp did in these circumstances with what, like seven starters out um, and then being forced late in the game to chuck on all these kids, I think almost none of them had, had, had played at all before this season. Um, I, I think that that's pretty incredible. You know, riding that wave, riding that that kind of ebb and flow where, where they had their chances. Then there was a period where, where, where it looked like Chelsea carved out several chances towards the end of, of the 90 minutes to go and kind of, you know, pull that back and win it, you know, before penalties. I think this is a bigger achievement for, for Jurgen Klopp than it is uh, uh, a lack of achievement for Pochettino. What would have been your team manager's reaction if a bunch of academy players almost dominated your team? Oh, God. They hung us out to dry. I, 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 I can't think of a manager who kind of um, would, would have those excuses if we play against a, a young team or a lower league team or anything of the sort. Um, and, and put put out that that kind of a performance. I I, I, I dread to think. And, and then let's remember, you know, 
I'm more old school. Well, certainly managers from in my day were old school, hair dryer types. Um, they, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone down well, and that's putting as nice as I can. Yeah, but it's it's hard to make a case for Pochettino and and Chelsea when I imagine if you go to a stadium and you buy the uh, the program for that for that day's game. If, if there are players that are not included in the program, they have like a supplemental sheet that they stick in the program. <laughs> All these players for Liverpool would have been in the supplemental sheet. These are guys that were not in the program to begin with and would not have been an option and only became an option because of all the injuries that Liverpool have. And so, I mean, there's something to be said about, at least we thought so, that there's something to be said about experience, about the moment, about the pressure, about uh, the environment, the occasion. And these kids, give them credit. They showed up and they just play. It's like, oh, all right, give me the ball. I'm going to turn. I'm going to run. I'm going to pass the ball. I'm going to do the things that I've been doing and got me to this point. And, and bless them for doing that. But there is a, another part to this story, and that is Chelsea allowed that to happen, especially and particularly from the end of the 90 minutes until the start of the extra time where Chelsea had all the momentum and instead of taking a step forward, they took a step back and allowed these players to now take over and grow in confidence. And you're seeing Bobby Clark and McConnell and Dance. And I'm like, who, what, who, who, who are these guys? Who are, what? And I'm not the only person who's doing that. There are people in that stadium that are searching for who, who 60, what, what's his name? What's his number? What's his name? They don't know them either. And yet they're out there making a difference and the $100 million players are not. That's embarrassing. Okay, apart from Barca being a storied club that cannot be an appealing destination for a big manager, right? Their poor financial situation aside, they contend with Carlo's Madrid team that boasts Mbappe, Vinny and Bellingham. That surely has to be more daunting than Pep City, Gab. So first of all, I'm contractually obliged to uh, remind uh, everybody that Kylian Mbappe uh, has not signed for Real Madrid yet, or or if he has, it, he's keeping it secret. It hasn't, it's not official yet. So, um, but beyond that, yeah, no, um, there's no question about it. Uh, the next manager of Barcelona is going to have to deal with with a lot of unpleasantness um, and. You know, the financial situation, the levers, La Porta, it's all very, very well documented. The good news is you do have a core of young players. Uh, Gavi will be back next season. And, you know, I, I think even though this isn't really the Barcelona way, if you take a step back and you say, guys, we done screwed up. We need to put the finances in order. We're going to go through, for, you know, through a season with the kids where we'll promote guys from the cantera we may need to sacrifice somebody let's do that let's do this Kules, please get behind us and you find the right manager to lead you in that context um maybe it can work i think you'll still finish top three but um yeah on paper if you're looking for a quick fix and instant success there's no question other clubs will be more appealing if you're that sort of manager if it is Mbappe, Vinny, Bellingham, do potential Barcelona managers look at who they're coming up against in La Liga? But it's still the appeal of Barcelona. Mm. And, and, and let's not forget that managers at this level, beyond their tactical knowledge and their ability to handle a very difficult locker room and the politics of a club, beyond all of those things, I'll tell you what they have. All of them, they do it. Ego. They have ego. So they can be the guy who tells himself, I 
will turn this around. And it will be on my terms. And I'm gonna get the most out of this player and that player and the young guys, and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. You add that to the appeal of Barcelona and it's difficult, a manager at that level, to say, nah, not for me. Barcelona is not one of the clubs that you just kind of turn your back on. I don't think that's the case. Shaka, would the result today play on the mind of Caicedo and Lavia? Do players ever have regrets about transfers? Um, no, I, I don't think they do. I think you make a decision at the moment and, and you, you, stand by, you stand by that reasoning. And um, for, for whatever it is, we could sit here and say they made the wrong decision, but they're the ones who were faced with whatever factors they had in front of them. Um, and, and made that decision, and, and now you kind of live and die by it. I, I don't think I don't think you turn on and, and regret it at all. I, I don't think you, you revisit that at all. All right, that will do it for today's questions. Thanks so much for sending them in. All right, if anybody's seen case slip up, yeah, please please, uh, please write in and let us know. Public serving announcement, please. Yes. My PSA. It would help all of us. Thank you very <laughs> yes. much. Yes. Cinderella. We'd all, <laughs> all be happier. <laughs> well, it's, it's less noisy <laughs> around here. <laughs> Say that. And now for some extra bonus content. Here is our post-game show from ESPN FC after Liverpool won the Carabao Cup. The ribbons on the Carabao Cup are red. And Jurgen Klopp takes a giant stride towards his golden sunset. A record-extending 10th League Cup triumph. And one of Klopp the charismatic German manager's greatest achievements with three teenagers on the pitch. Players who could have been playing in the Youth Cup have just won the League Cup. Stuart Robson. Well, he's going to be very disappointed, Pochettino. His side, I thought, at the end of 90 minutes were in control. They didn't take advantage in extra time, but credit to Liverpool, credit to that man there, Van Dijk. The determination of the young players that came on. They didn't hide away from the situation. Dans came on and tried to lead the line. But credit also to the goalkeeper, Kelleher. He made two or three really big saves at the end of 90 minutes. But Jurgen Klopp said something to the players at the start of extra time and the beginning of the second half of extra time, which motivated and galvanised his team because they were certainly under pressure but very well played to Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and all those youngsters and it just adds to the sense of drama and achievement as the Liverpool players go and salute the fans that helped to drag them through the rigours and the fatigue of extra time the trophy to be raised shortly but a goal in the penultimate minute of extra time has won the 64th League Cup for Liverpool. Chelsea nil, Liverpool won. Goodness gracious me. We were sat here at full time thinking, how are Liverpool going to get themselves back into this game? Great. And yet we're here once again celebrating Jurgen Klopp winning a trophy, their 10th League Cup. What a performance. Quite incredible, really. I mean, Liverpool... We're out on their feet uh, for the last 
15, 20 minutes of normal time, they looked as if there was no way back. Two things here can be true. Chelsea were awful in extra time, awful. And Liverpool, those young kids, what a job they did. His squad was in tatters and then he lost players during the game and he brought on a bunch of youngsters and these youngsters stood up, puffed their chest out and did an amazing job in a cup final. What a moment for Van Dijk as well, Stevie. Having thought he scored in normal time, obviously, and then to score the winner with two minutes to go. I mean, you talk about a captain. You saw him in tears at the end. And the reason he's in tears is because he's looking around at a bunch of kids around him. And he's looking around, and how proud can you be of a bunch of kids who go and outplay a bunch of so-called overpaid superstars? They absolutely outplayed them in extra time. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I thought we had no chance in extra time after the last 15 minutes. But you know what that is? See that guy there, Klopp? That's the culture that he's built in Liverpool. And the next guy that's coming in has got a tough job to follow. Mm. The culture he has built meant that five or six kids who can hardly wipe their own nose <laughs> go on in a cup final and outplay a team like Chelsea and bring the trophy home. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely, it's about the culture, it's about the way Klopp does things, it's about the way the players play for him. And he's got a bunch of kids who've gone on there. And by the way, not one of them looked scared. They didn't look scared of what was ahead of them. Yeah. You look across the other side in blue, what were they doing? They were all sat, they were all sat back, they looked scared. How, how do you explain that, Craig? What did Pochettino say after know. that 90 minutes? Because we were all saying, right, you've got to go for it if you're Chelsea. Look at the youngsters, look yeah. at the inexperience on the other end. And yet, it was Liverpool who took it to Chelsea. I, I was amazed, particularly by the first 15 minutes in extra time, how they just allowed Liverpool to control the game. They, they basically allowed these youngsters to settle, to not be nervous by allowing them possession of the ball. And, you know, and it's not just they brought youngsters on Liverpool, they brought youngsters on in the heart of the midfield. Young McConnell, yeah. young Clark. They didn't bring them on in wide positions or up front out of the way. They brought them on in the engine room and yet they were able to control the game uh, in extra time. It was quite incredible. I mean, you know, I think when we saw Jurgen Klopp at the end, how he was celebrating, it's a, a trophy's a trophy, of course, it's huge, but I think it was the fact they were able to do it in the manner in which they did it with the personnel that they've got. And on the other side of the coin, you know, Chelsea played well for 90 minutes, right? In terms of the actual game time, did not take their chances. Kelleher was terrific. And then for some inexplicable reason, for the 30 minutes of extra time, the substitutions for Chelsea did absolutely nothing mm. to invigorate this team. You have to question Pochettino, don't you, Steve? I think so. I'm, I don't know whether this gets any significance, but right at the start of, of the break for extra time, he was, he was talking to his defence, he was talking to Chilwell, he was talking to Collywell, and I'm thinking, hold on a second, you should be, you should be going around to your, your, your forward-thinking players yeah. to get them going, get them on the ball, get after Liverpool. You know, you think the conversation would be, this team's out on its feet, it's a bunch of inexperienced guys, we've got to put pressure on them. But the complete and utter opposite happened. What, what, did, what did kids do? Particularly in moments like this at Wembley, I mean, it's, not, it's big enough for these youngsters playing at Anfield, but they're playing at Wembley in the cup final, and it's towards the end of the game, it's extra time. If you pressurise them, if Chelsea pressurise them, the chances are these youngsters would make mistakes. Mm -hmm. right? That's only natural. But as I said, they were allowed 
they were allowed to grow into the game, and that was that that was, that's down to Chelsea. Yeah. And then these, I'm amazed at the job these youngsters did for Liverpool. Bear in mind, we've, we've played in cup finals, Steve and I. We've ah. been at Wembley many times. It, it's it's an occasion even for experienced players. So for these youngsters to come on and do it in the manner in which they did was quite amazing. Uh, Kelleher, once again, he scored the winning penalty, of course, two years yeah. ago. Stevie Key, some big, big saves he made. Yeah, you know, yes, he made the big saves, but I'm so impressed with how calm this guy is. I mean, he's not got a bead of sweat on him. I mean, the, the pressure he's been under, and he just sails through, not a problem. And, you know, that sort of attitude spreads, and so it's not really a surprise that these young guys... In, including Kelleher, come on and stay cool, calm and composed. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for a lot more analysis of what we saw Liverpool win their 10th uh, League Cup. But let's go over to the trophy presentation now with Stuart Robson and John Champion. Well, back here at Wembley, Chelsea are making the loneliest and most unwelcome of walks. Those steps towards the Royal Box and the presentation area thoroughly, utterly deflated Stuart Robson. So are their fans there's very few Chelsea fans inside the stadium now to see their players go up but as they just said in the studio in some ways yes Liverpool won the, the cup final in extra time but Chelsea lost it as well how they went from being completely dominant and making chances in that last 15 minutes of normal time to being so inactive in the 30 minutes of extra time, I'm not quite sure what happened to them. And they allowed Liverpool to go and win the game. And it's a difficult day for him. Pochettino still got a lot of work to do at Chelsea. And this won't help his calls. This was a game they should have won after the normal time. And he has that blank, blank vacant look of a, a manager that knows that... He has just been seriously derailed at the very end of what seemed to be a journey towards what might have been the first trophy for Chelsea of the post-Abramovich era. Well, there's no hiding away from it. He'll go home tonight and he'll rethink or overthink the game, what he could have done, what went wrong, what went right. And as Greg Burley said, the substitutions were a disaster almost for Chelsea. It didn't affect the team at all. In fact, they made them worse. Well, it's Rick Parry, the chair of the EFL, dishing out the medals. And they are scant consolation as Pochettino makes his steady way back down the steps towards the sanctuary of the dressing room and a period of serious reflection on just how this all got away from them. Or rather more accurately, how Liverpool wrestled it away from them. Even the substitution of Chilwell in the last few minutes for Chalabar. Does he not think that Chilwell could have played that last three or four minutes? He didn't look as though he was injured. Just disrupts the back four. They've got to defend a couple of set plays. Mudrik didn't attack the ball when the ball came into the box from the set play. Very disappointing for Pochettino and his men. Meanwhile, Liverpool there are players who go through an entire career dreaming of a moment like this group are about to experience and they never get there. Well, there are five teenagers, three of whom got onto the field. What was that famous saying? 
years ago, Alan Hansen on British television said of Manchester United with Beckham and Co, you'll never win anything with kids. Well, Liverpool just have. Mind you, he did say it after they just lost 5-0 at Newcastle. <laughs> just trying to orchestrate this. Virgil van Dijk is the captain and therefore will have the ultimate honour of lifting the silverware. There's a player I'd like to mention as well. We're going to see him obviously go up to get the, the cup in a minute, but Endo I thought was magnificent today for Liverpool. He did the job of as the holding midfield player really well. He's an unsung hero, but today I thought he was excellent. So up they climb. Led by the man who decided the game. Used to be 39 steps at the old Wembley. Rather more these days. And somewhat gentler in terms of the ascent. It just allows them to linger for longer in the public glare and to enjoy the moments of adulation and congratulation. First goes the captain, and then the inspirational manager. Jurgen Klopp's seventh trophy with Liverpool. He's been a runner-up in six more, and he hopes to win three more before he departs at the end of May. Chelsea may have had the value in terms of dollars spent. Liverpool had the heart, the spirit and the will. Far more powerful sporting currencies. the megawatt smile very much in evidence Virgil van Dijk with one more set of stairs to climb and he'll come out in public view again all the more special when you know that there may not be too many more occasions like this the leader and inspiration of your club. There's another player that did well, Canate. A couple of times, Van Dijk just got himself in a bad position. Canate got round on the cover, showed exceptional power and pace. And there's so many heroes out there for Liverpool, including the members of the youth team who are grouped together, bound by a, a particular bond. And this is not. Always the convention. Jürgen Klopp is playing a particularly prominent role in all of this, as he should. He gets his medal. The most decorated club in English football about to add another trophy to their collection. It will be a 51st piece of silverware. There you saw Van Dyke pick up the Man of the Match award as well. Well, he looks like a school kid himself, Jurgen Klopp, at the moment. Van Dyke is gathering his men around him. This most graceful, elegant and successful of leaders frequently described as the best central defender in the world. 
Well, Virgil van Dijk's head won this trophy. And together with Jurgen Klopp, now his hands lift it. Liverpool win the Carabao Cup. And it's a first step towards a Hollywood ending for Jurgen Klopp. A big stride on his stairway to heaven. a quarter of the way towards that possible now more possible farewell quadruple what are your concluding thoughts Stuart well again it goes down to the heroes Van Dyke, the manager the hero for how he managed the team when they were in trouble today but the youngsters the likes of Dans, McConnell, Clark Quanta came on and did a fantastic job for their team and of course the goalkeeper they weren't always the better team in the game but they in the end they had the better characters so dates for your diary Dan as we send it back to you 19th of May last day of the Premier League Liverpool hope to win the title at Anfield against Wolves Wednesday the 22nd of May in Dublin the final of the Europa League and then Last and far from least, back here at Wembley Stadium in North London, Saturday the 25th of May, when if things go to Jurgen Klopp's plan, Liverpool, Van Dijk and the rest will be up in the Royal Box again, lifting the FA Cup. They're a quarter of the way there, after quite the Carabao Cup final here at Wembley, won by Virgil van Dijk in the last but one minute. Back to you. They may need some industrial-sized band-aids between now and then, but goodness me, they deserve every bit of celebration tonight. After the 90 minutes, we thought they looked dead and buried, tired on the ropes. Chelsea looking then to get that first domestic win in six finals, but the youngsters thrived in extra time. Chelsea folded, and Liverpool are once again your League Cup champions. Quite a final, really, Craig, overall. I think 26th of February is a a good date as well to throw in there because that's tomorrow that's the day he goes in the treatment room and <laughs> sees how the walking wounded are because they were down to the bare bones and just amazing and, and the guys are writing commentary they weren't always the best team today mm -hmm. in the 90 minutes because of the changes they made because Chelsea played quite well up until that final third Kelleher was terrific but you know, Van Dijk steals the headlines, the controversial goal that was chopped off, which was correctly chopped off, but people seem to not be able to understand Ooh. the law. Then the, the Chelsea terrible defending that allowed the Van Dijk winner. I mean, Mihaila Mudrich wasn't alone, but he was stood square and he didn't even know Van Dijk was coming across him. But I, I think the story is the kids. The youngsters coming into a cup final, Robbo mentioned the four of them there. Conzer's had more game time than any of them, but the other three coming in, McConnell, Clark, and Dan's up front to take Liverpool and help take Liverpool over the line for this guy's just absolutely battered squad. I think that has to be the story. Yeah, how much is that down to Jurgen Klopp and his leadership throughout the club, Steve? 100%. You know, I said it before, it, it's the culture of the club. And the culture is that you're strong, and you, you go forward when you can. Yes, you have to defend, as Liverpool did when they had to. And yes, Kelleher 
in goal, made some saves, no question without his contribution, they don't win this game. But it's the way that he sets the whole team, the whole club, and what it's all about. It's about going forward, it's about playing, it's about sticking your chest out and being strong. And that's, and that's what they did in extra time, which is the incredible thing. And they've got their leader, of course, the man who not only scores the goals, but yeah. has galvanised this team throughout. And it's something that you feel, and we've discussed it before, Craig, that Chelsea are missing. No Thiago Silva today, no experience, is there? There's, there's not one man that can galvanise, can bring this team together, and as Virgil van Dijk has. No, absolutely. And I tell you, the other thing, they didn't have any in the last 30 minutes. They had no belief. And this is the one thing that he's instilled in this, amongst many things in this club that he's instilled, is a belief that even when they're up against it, even when they have all, a lot, you know, Sabozlai, Salah, Nunes, Jota, Gravenberg is off, they still, these players still believe that they can go and win football games. Even when the rest of us are going, you know, oh, how are they going to pull this off? How are they going to cope? He's instilled uh, this belief, and quite frankly, uh, Chelsea, they lost that belief from a really good position having Liverpool against the ropes. They lost that belief. How, can you, how, how much can you offer up that despite the fact these, are, these players are worth a lot of money, there isn't a lot of experience in these big games for some of those Chelsea players? Yeah, but there was a way more experience than what was in the oh, Liverpool team. You've got Enzo Fernandez who's, who played in the World Cup final. Where was he when it mattered most? He disappeared at the game. Mm. He forgot, actually forgot he was playing. There, wasn't, there, there was not one Van Dijk in the Chelsea side. I mean, the man was a giant. <laughs> and everything that went on, whether it was clearing balls, whether it was winning headers in the opposition's box, he was right slap bang in the middle of it. You cannot say that of anybody in a blue jersey. We've, we've seen two players, there's more than this in the league, but Anthony at Man United and Mihaila Mudrik, two wingers, two wide players that have cost millions so far, thus far in their careers at their respective clubs, have been absolutely borderline useless. I mean, Mihaila Modric has got all the pace in the world. He's got, he should be frightening defenders to death, particularly ones that are on their last legs, particularly ones that have just played over 90 minutes and are, are cramping up. And he, he offered absolutely nothing. We're seeing some of the youngsters celebrating here, Steve. You won a number of trophies uh, for Liverpool. I, remember, I imagine your first is, is one of the most special that you remember. What are they going for right now? Well, right now they think this is going to happen every week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't understand that that it doesn't happen as often as you would like. And the one thing they'll be thinking about is, wow, I'm going to be doing this a few more times and I'm really going to enjoy it again. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you don't forget it. As I said, they, they don't come along too often. When, uh, when Moises Caicedo made a decision to go to Chelsea, money, London, I suppose. Maybe, maybe he was promised this big picture prospect that, that that might happen. But but Liverpool were desperate for him too. And can you imagine him and Endo and Robbo is right. Endo was terrific, absolutely terrific. But he could have been at a club, not only winning today, but playing for this manager, playing for this club, going for a quadruple. You know, and and he. At some point down the line, Chelsea might be in that position again. But that's quite a long way off. And when I think when he looks at it, decisions are made, 
he, he definitely went to the wrong club. There's no doubt about that. Do I bring up how does what's happened over the last few weeks regarding Liverpool's injuries affect things going forward, or should we just enjoy this first? Yeah, I think we should just enjoy this. I, I don't think there's any question that. Listen, when you finish when you finish extra time in a cup final with basically three of your first team on the field, yeah. and one of those three actually shouldn't be playing because he's. It looks like his groin's gone. Diaz. Diaz. Then, yeah, I think it would be a kind of a negative look on it. I think you just got to look at this and look at the... This is a team, this is a club, and, and you can see that it's not just about the 11 players on the field. It's about everybody who's been involved in the preparation way back when, when it all started. And these moments are just, are just a congratulations and a, and a pat on the back for all the hard work that you've done. Of course, everyone in tune singing You'll Never Walk Alone. For Jurgen Klopp, obviously, his final lap. And he picks up one trophy, three more to go. But he's going to consciously, and he spoke about this, trying to enjoy these wins more than maybe he has in the past because he knows it's the end of the road. Yeah, and if there was any questions about how the uh, announcement would affect the squad, I think they've been well and truly kiboshed over the last few weeks. Uh, I think most of us, certainly on this show, have always felt that it would galvanise these Liverpool yeah. players, particularly at Anfield. Uh, but, and also what was noticeable in extra time today was, and this is a stupid small thing, by God, the Liverpool fans outsang the Chelsea fans. I mean, that huge, the atmosphere coming from the red end of the stadium as that game went on was quite incredible. There was a big difference in that as well. I did say before this game kicked off that, listen, this is not Anfield. Yeah. It's different. Get away from home. I'll tell you what, <laughs> we turned it into Anfield. Were Chelsea playing for penalties? Looked like it. It looked like it. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe there was a side that had their opponent so rattled and so dishevelled at the end of the 90 minutes that it was almost like there was some magic juice that Liverpool had in the five-minute break between yeah. the end of the game and the, and the extra time. But all of a sudden, they were galvanised with extra energy. But it seemed that it was Chelsea that allowed them to do that because there's no, there's no other... You have, you have to question Pochettino what he said to them because, you know, you, your coach... And your Van Dykes and people like that are your rudder. They're, they're the ones that, that steer you in the right direction. And so if you're Pochettino, you should have been all over your players saying, right, this team's lost, but this team's legs have gone, they're inexperienced, now is the time where we can take control. That surely should have been the speech, but these players, the performance they produced in extra time, didn't. That didn't match what the speech should have been. I think you need to buy one of those, Stevie, those selfie sticks. I, think be <laughs> <laughs> I could sit on here and yeah, yeah. live stream that, Stevie. That would last a long time. I mean, there's no, way, there's no way Pochettino, there's no way he has said to them in the team talk before extra time, sit off Liverpool, sit back and just hit on the counter attack. You, you just wonder how strong there's the no message was. Should, you, I, I agree that it must have been trying to be positive, right. but there's certainly a, there's a tone and a way that you give the message, and it clearly wasn't right. Uh, Nadam is pitch side as he has been uh, throughout the game. Uh, Nadam, at the end of the 90 minutes, I think many of us thought that Liverpool's time were up, but look at those mm. celebrations behind you. Makes it even more sweeter for those fans who travelled down from Merseyside. 
Well, it absolutely does. And as you said, when those changes were being made and you were seeing senior players for Liverpool leaving the field, you're thinking, well, this tie is definitely going to go towards Chelsea. But in fairness to Liverpool, what they had in their favour, they had enough of the key players still on the field. I think the guys, you were, talk, you were talking about Virgil van Dijk, what a game he's had there. I think having someone that experienced and that understanding with the style of play that he has and the leadership that he has can keep everything in check, even in times when they were suffering. He didn't ever really look panicked. I think in the past he may have been guilty of being a bit too lax at times, but he was so engaged with the game today. And I think more so because he knew the people around him needed him to be that guy. And I think when he's gone up from set pieces, he had the belief that he could impact the game as well. The decisions from him and some other people in the team, they're always good. It was never a case of play short when you're in danger. Sometimes they play the ball long, and then that's when you're seeing Dan's running in behind, trying to make it as difficult as he can for Chelsea. And I think, you know, there is the side where we have to praise the youngsters. And I think today, this is a story for me about belief. As that game went on, especially in extra time, it seemed like the Chelsea players were losing it. But the credit that deserves to be given from my perspective, from the Liverpool side, isn't the fact that, say, some of these youngsters are the best right now. It's the fact that Jurgen Klopp believed in them to be able to play them in a final. But that's no different to the way they played in the semi-final. They played in the FA Cup. These are guys when he knows if the starting 11 are tired, you guys come on the field. And I know myself, if I was standing alongside him and he said to me, come on, this is your moment, you can go and do this, I'll go on the field and feel that I can't. And you can see that with those players. Even though Chelsea should have converted some of their chances, the fact is Liverpool and their players, they stayed in the game. The set pieces, they have a set piece coach, they know how important this can be. So they got it done and yeah, now they can all celebrate. And yeah, there's a lot of Liverpool fans here who are very happy with what their side's done. And maybe it's the start of a, of a four-part four legacy for them. Nadeem, as someone who was pitch side for that extra time period, can you just talk us through things from a Chelsea perspective? I think we've maybe lost Nadim or he's just ignoring me. Standard. Can you empathise with what Nadim's saying? Like, if you've got Jurgen Klopp telling you you think that he believes in you, that you can go on and do it, you have that belief? That's, it goes back to the point that, that I was making, that, that he has drilled the belief into this football club that even in adversity, with when he turned around to the, the technical area and he saw all the stars that were sitting, that... The guys that you put on the field and the, the guys that were already out there believe that even with these kids coming in that they could still do it. But this has to give him a bigger buzz than winning it with Mo Salah yeah. and Sabozlai and Darwin Nunes. It has to be because he's been at the club long enough that these, he'll have seen these kids come through the system, come through the, the, the recruitment of the youngsters, through, through the, the, the 14s, the 15s, the 18s, the under-21s, whatever it is they have now. He's watched these kids come through and in his time he's been able to put them out in a cup final and do the job for them. That, that's, good. that's better than winning it with all the stars. Can I ask a daft question? Why can't more managers achieve that? Uh, because they don't look at the game and they don't look at their players the way he does. You know, he, he loves his players. Not all managers love their players. Not, Probably the majority of managers are more interested in winning the games and getting the bonus and, and, make, and looking good and getting the profile and the whole thing. This guy loves his players. And so when you, regardless of how good or how bad you may be, when you feel that, the only thing you're going to do is give every ounce of energy and sweat and desire. And he's the type of guy where if it goes wrong, he's still going to come up to you He's still going to hug you and squeeze you and, and thank you for giving every single thing you had, regardless of the outcome. And so when you do that with quality, 
and desire, you end up getting today. He's he's been around in football a long time, and there's always something surprises you. Right. And he'll be lying in bed tonight. Well, he won't be in bed tonight. If he Tomorrow morning, sometime when he gets in it, he'll be lying there thinking, "Did that really happen? Did we just win that with a bunch of kids? Did that really happen? That, that's what he'll be thinking." You know, he walked into this club. People, people sat up, took notice. And yeah, he'd had a bad time at the end at, at Dortmund, but people sat up and went, "Wow, this this could be something special." And it took time. Yeah, it did take time, uh, but it has been, and it could even could be even better at, at the end. But it has been special, and not just that they, they can't win every trophy because you're not going to do that. But it's the manner in which they've had success or narrowly failed to have success. It's the manner in which they've gone about it. And I remember back to his first game in charge, which was effectively a side that was put together by Brendan Rodgers, and it was Tottenham away, and they came out for the first half an hour, and I've never seen, a, I'd not seen the Liverpool, Liverpool team press and harry and run about like that in a long time. And although it took a while to really put his stamp on it, you could see the energy from match day one, which was at the time White Hart Lane, away from home, and eventually he gets the kind of players that he wants, he gets the key players in, and he builds around it, and he builds everything you need in the club, uh, and the, the, the summation of it is, this is where you are challenging on all fronts, which is now going to be extremely difficult because of the, uh, the injuries they've, they've got, but do you know what, I don't think... I think they'll go away, lick the wounds, see who's available and, and march go again. and go again. Uh, I think we're back now with Nadem, uh, who joins us again pitch side. Nadem, uh, just from the Chelsea angle, I'm just intrigued what you maybe saw in that extra time which would concern you as a Chelsea fan. I think it's probably a disappointment that the team wasn't more on the front foot. As soon as they went to extra time, I think I'm like with many other people and thinking, well, this is where the Chelsea are going to push on. This is their, these are the experienced players. You see Madueka being on there. You see other players who can go and do something and attack. And Cole Palmer, towards the end of the, the actual game itself in the 90 minutes, was more on the front foot, taking people on. So he's thinking, well, here we go. This is their best opportunity to score up against this young side and go and really take advantage and have, have the experience to just go and, as I say, figure out a way to win it. But it was the exact opposite. I think there were times when I've seen Simicast forcing Madueke all the way back, and I'm like, well, Madueke is the forward. Why is he having to defend? Why are they almost in a back five now? And then before you know it, the players who were on, you're looking at Mudrik. He's not really had to chase the ball in behind. What's the point in having the speed if you're not going to try and find a way to use it, whether that's him individually or the team playing into it? You know, stretch the game, force Liverpool to have to run back towards their goal, then it makes it easier for you to defend them because they're tired, because they've had to run back now. But instead, it wasn't really there. Liverpool, for me, looked the better side in that period of extra time. And even though Chelsea had a chance or two, it almost felt like the goal was going to come. And when that set piece came, Van Dijk, I think he's probably the biggest player on the field and the one most likely to get his head to a ball from any set piece as long as the service is good. He stepped up, he did it. He's in a really good goal-scoring form at this moment in time. And yeah, I think from the Chelsea standpoint, it almost felt inevitable. What were you saying about the crowd? I think the reason the Liverpool crowd were louder, or the fans were louder in that extra time, was because their team were giving them something to get behind. Mm. Whereas the Chelsea fans, it almost felt like, oh no, what are we going to do? When they've had a corner and it goes to the halfway line, they're having to play it back to their goalie. The crowd are like, oh. But Liverpool fans, they're buoyed. They know that's a big, big win for them. So I think from a Chelsea perspective, it was great that you could compete. We've fallen short again. And I don't know if I'm the problem here, Dan. 
but I've been to four finals for Chelsea in the last three years and I've lost every single one of them. So yeah, if they make it to another one, I might have to just go to the studio or something instead because I can't be here to continue watching the same thing happen over and over. I mean, I mean yes, Keller had played really well, but the other aspect from Chelsea's decision-making, final third, decision-making, poor quality, poor composure, poor decisions. You know, Raheem Sterling not taking it first time on his right foot. Yes, Cole Palmer gets the strike away, but there was a chance. Enzo Fernandez with two spare players trying to backheel it into the net, trying trying the spectacular. And there was others, other moments in the game where the decision in the final third was just not good enough. And th that is a problem. It's not the only problem Chelsea have, and they can't keep harping on about oh, when we get a finish here, we'll, we'll be the real deal. That it's bigger than that. But certainly at the moment, decision-making in the final third has been really, really poor. Uh, Nadam, just on that Van Dijk goal point, like, he's the threat. He's the one surely you want to pick up. He's the one you want to mark with two minutes to go. You're looking at penalties or whatever. How can he find himself so free? How can Chelsea let themselves defensively so badly? I think as the game was progressing, you could see some of the decision-making, as Craig was saying, it was getting worse and worse. People make, lunging in for tackles, making little errors in terms of knowing when to go out to someone, when not to. And from that set piece, Van Dijk is going to try and find a way to find space, whether it's using Quanta to get a block or like Endo with the goal that got disallowed. They get, Liverpool are going to try and make sure that he has the chance to go on a run. And I think from Chelsea, they try to treat it like a normal set piece, but in these moments, your senses need to be heightened. You need to maybe make a slight adaptation to what's been good to this point because you know he's the danger. Maybe someone else could be a danger on the second ball, but if he makes first contact, there's a huge opportunity for Liverpool there. And they're going to regret that. I think we need to look at set pieces two ways. Obviously, for the side that's attacking, it's your chance to go and do something. But defensively, you've got time to put yourself in the right positions to affect the opposition in whichever way that you can. And for him to be able to score that goal in the minute that he scored the goal and to say, well, that's game, set and match, they're going to look back at that. They're going to regret that for a very long time because who knows the next time they'll be in a final. It's bonkers, isn't it? Aye. Honestly, I said earlier that Klopp will be thinking, how did this, did this really happen? But it really is bonkers. And, and the decision-making, it's about having players on your team that have got a clear head when it matters. And clearly, on that set piece with two minutes to go, there wasn't any clear heads in a blue jersey because nobody had the wherewithal of the, of, the, of the sense to make sure that, as you said, the one guy that you really have to make sure is wrapped up was left on his own and was able to make a run across the front of Mudrich. Again, you can, you can definitely say that Mudrich should have attacked the ball. He didn't, but again, just decision-making, no clear heads, no guidance, no rudder that I was talking about. And the one man with the clearest head gets the goal with two minutes to go. This is Klopp celebrating after the game. Ah, here we go. Oh, with Kenny Douglas. That's where we were going. Stevie. What am I doing sat here with you well, too? Criticism. Criticism you've given Liverpool over the years. Oh yeah. <laughs> Blacklist. The, the echo, the echo blackballed you. Echo. <laughs> Liverpool echo said. Yeah. And of course Dalglish, very Tell much a legend. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of trophies between those two guys. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Dear, dear. You know, you take a look at the legacy they had as both as a player just, and a coach. Just go back to that, the winner. <laughs> We're just at a nice moment <laughs> with Klopp and Dalglish. Oh, I know. It took me long enough to get there. It drives me absolutely nuts when I see players in that position. And quite frankly, elite level, so-called elite level players. When you're defending a corner, right, 
you cannot be stood with your back to the, to the attacking players as Modric was, right? You have to be stood side on. Because you know what? The chances of you beating Van Dijk are slim, but if you're turned side on, I could block him. Or at least I could lean into him. Why is it Modric? Why is Modric there? See, there's a couple of, I was just going to say, there's, there's, there's a couple of things. Do you put the right people in the right places? Okay. Now, from just, from what we've just seen, Modric was in the wrong place, right? The problem is, when you've got a guy like him, who, I don't think I'm being harsh to say, I don't, th I don't think he's the smartest footballer ever. The problem is, where do you put a guy like that? Because you know that he's not going to make particularly good decisions defensively. Mm. So you, you figure, uh, where can you hide this guy up that front. is going to be least effective? You leave him up and that drags at least, probably, with his pace, it might drag two Liverpool players but who's so making the question that, who's is, making why do you decision? put him there? Who's making that decision? The set-piece coach, isn't it? Unless, unless the manager turns around and says, no way, we're not putting him there, surely then some, it's a set-piece Surely you don't coach. need a coach to tell you when you've got two minutes to go, you should have one of your better defenders on Virgil van Dijk. Well, I'm, yeah, but he's I'm not actually, marking I'm van not Dijk. Talking he's marking the, the space. Right. Not, he's marking the space. And so what you need to do is you need, you need somebody who's responsible enough right. to do the right thing, and that is attack the ball, which he doesn't do. But again, that's what I'm saying. If you, if you decide to play safe and stick him round the back, well, what happens if Liverpool play a, a corner to the back post? Now you've got Modric there. So sometimes you're kind of forced into putting somebody in a position where you know they're maybe not the best, but then when you make five substitutions, sometimes you've got to just take a little bit of a gamble. And it didn't pay off. If I see a ball coming in and I'm stood, where, and I'm facing the camera here and everybody else is there, apart from the ball, I have no idea what's coming. Right. I've no idea. So I'm just, I'm, I'm attacking it blind and he gets ahead of him. It's, you're taught this when you're a kid, right? When you're in the youth teams and you're coming through, it doesn't matter if you're a striker or a wide player. You have to learn to be in this position so that I can see Van Dijk, I can see the ball. So at the very least I'm going to do is like, when, he, when I see him coming, is I'm going to lean into him. Mm. So he's going to get, get the header, but he probably is not going to get it as clean. Whereas I'm stood facing the corner kick being taken, I have not, there could no be idea. anything. There could be a wrestling match behind. You wouldn't know. So it's about, and look, it's not all in, Michaela Mudrick, but he's the guy at the front, the near post, marking the space. You have to have your body in a different position. He didn't, and Van Dyke, boy, did it, he make it, him pay. It depends how far you want to strip it back, to okay. be honest. Because at, at the end of the day, the, the, the most important player on Liverpool's team that you have to keep your eye on is Van Dyke, and the fact that he gets a free run. You know, we saw the controversy over endo blocking. That's exactly what you should be doing at your own set pieces against blocking people like Van Dyke. So again, strip it back as far as you want. So many mistakes, maybe call them little mistakes, but you know when you add them all up, you end up losing a cup final. Uh, Chelsea be absolutely gutted, Nadem. They've got to focus now on Leeds, who are high-flying in the Championship, uh, by the way, on Wednesday in the FA Cup. How do you recover from such a disappointing defeat as this has proven to be? 
Do you know that's that is a great question. I'm sure Pochettino will try and say to his side, you know, there's this point, but we need to get ready for the next game. And the next game is it almost feels like a trap game for them. Yeah. You know, playing against a side in the championship that has a ton of confidence because of the fact that they're winning so many games. Like Leeds will go and play against Chelsea and believe that they can get a result, especially because Chelsea have had to play an extra time. We saw some of those players today, they were out on their feet. And obviously when you're playing for two hours it can be very, very tough. But it's gonna be a tough game for them. But as the guys were saying, you know, they blew it. Like Chelsea had at the end of that game they had more experienced players on the field. They had opportunities within the game to go and score. And it looked like one goal was gonna be all you needed in this match. Like what would the reaction of the Chelsea of the Liverpool kids been if Chelsea had a one 0 lead? Like how do you navigate through that situation on such a big scale? But I'm sure those Chelsea players would be hugely disappointed. And just one final point if I can. We were talking about set pieces and stuff like that. For me, defending, for as much as there's a skill, the biggest thing is effort. Deal with it. When the ball's coming in and you're defending a corner, even if you can't head the ball well, just try and head the ball. Just try and block someone. And the value of those blocks, if Van Dijk is off his run by half a yard, he doesn't head the ball into the corner the way that he does. And if you end up getting jumped over by Van Dijk, well, you say, well, it's a great header by him. But when you look at those moments and say, well, you know, he just had a free header. Well, who was it? Oh, it was Virgil van Dijk. You know, there's going to be disappointment at dressing room first because they've lost and have not had the chances. But the nature of giving away that goal is going to be something which they'll be thinking about until the next time they get a chance to run out on the field. But I'm sure Leeds will be trying to do the same thing. Stevie, if this is their only trophy of the season, is it a success? <laughs> Where'd you pull that question from? Well, I've asked a lot of questions already. I thought I'd ask this one now. I think, I think at the end of the season, depending on... Depending on the injuries between now and the end of the season will determine whether it's a success or right. not. If he gets players back, then then that winning this trophy alone, you start asking questions. But if he can't get players back, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Nobody, Surely nobody in their right mind can expect Liverpool to, to stay at the top of the Premier League with Man City and Arsenal, who don't have any injury problems at all. They've, they've got their best 11 on the field, game in, game out, against what's going on at Liverpool right now. You, you, you surely can't look at that. And, and if it doesn't work out, have anything other than sympathy for the way it ended up. Uh, just a reminder then, domestic action continues midweek for Liverpool and Chelsea. Liverpool at home, as Virgil van Dijk mentioned, against Southampton in the FA Cup. Meanwhile, Chelsea taking on Leeds, which could be a bit tricky for Pochettino's side, given Leeds' form going into that tie. Preceding that, four other games, the first of which tomorrow, Coventry taking on Maidstone, and then three on Tuesday, Bournemouth against Leicester, Blackburn, Newcastle, and it's Luton against Manchester City. Meanwhile, the action continues on ESPN Plus today. Later today in the Santiago Bernabeu, oh, it's the return of Sergio Ramos. Real Madrid taking on Sevilla. Our coverage starts at 2.30 Eastern. We'll be then live at full time for ESPN AFC. More reflection on what we saw today at Wembley, plus wrapping up everything else that's been happening in the footballing world over the last 24 hours. It's another final for to forget for Chelsea. Meanwhile, for Liverpool, despite VAR's intervention in the 90 minutes, it would prove to be Virgil van Dijk's header late on that would see them win another League Cup. More silverware for Liverpool to come this season, we'll find out. But boy, they enjoy this one.